Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Let's dive into this week's story. Hello, David. How are you? I'm doing well this week. How are you? Doing great. I, uh, yeah, it's still winter time. Just as a reminder to everybody listening for, you know, when this (laughs) publishes, I'm I'm pretty sure it's still winter time. It's still cold. Still cold, but still, still no snow. Uh, No, no real snowfall in New York City. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. Well, we just have ice here. So that's, you know, whatever. Anyway, you can't build anything with ice really, except for maybe igloos and that's just too much effort. So I'm not going to do it. (laughs) So. All right, so what are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about um, a, a big merger was announced um, as you know as of us recording this. It was a, it was announced a couple of days ago um, in that Simon Property Group um, agreed to buy Tobin Centers um, for a deal that's like being I think roughly valued at about three point six billion dollars. Wow. And aside from just like, you know, the headline, it's been covered to death because it is, you know, I think the largest retail real estate merger we've had in a couple of years. It's sort of, it's news on that level. But I wanted to talk about it as well, just because there's a lot of really interesting history between these companies. And so um, that I don't think is, as many people are aware of. And I don't see it even being mentioned in, the, I mean, I put some of it in our coverage, but I don't see it being mentioned as broadly. And I think it's sort of interesting to, kind of look back at what had happened before and then how right. and then sort of figure out how they got to the point where they could do this okay sounds good for me like one of the the most like so, so this deal happens simon and tobin both companies um tobin is about a 70 year old entity one of the original shopping center players mm-hmm. and simon came along not that long after i think they were founded about 10 years later and over the years have been two of the preeminent regional mall companies in the country first as just developers and you know a lot of these company a lot of the the big mall companies that are around today they all kind of came out of the midwest and they were all these sort of interesting guys that like started out as just developers and like built a project and kind of like were figuring out how they how they, they were going to program malls and and develop what we know today and they all sort of knew each other they were all like based in sort of you know like indianapolis and michigan and iowa but so that's it that's kind of like the cradle of the shopping center industry in this country Hmm. so so these companies both come from that heritage through the years they grew become you know in in the eventually become part of the revolution which is in the 1990s when all these companies go from being privately run family shops to publicly traded companies although still kind of tightly you know the, the families that start these companies are still the executives and still own controlling interest in the stock even to this day so that's what we have it's Taubman companies is founded by a alfred Taubman, 1950 simon property group originally was called i think mel mel simon and associates it's went through a few different name changes over the years uh, started by two brothers, Mel and Her- Her- Herbert Simon, and now both companies are run by the next generation, the sons of of those respective family of those uh, respective uh, fathers. Got it. So, two sons are are part of T- Talman's leadership team, and then Mel Simon's son, David Simon, has been the CEO of Simon Property Group for 
you know, the last, I don't know, a couple decades, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of like, you know, one piece of history, just that like these companies that are part of the very birth of this industry that have been two of the dominant players in their own ways. Simon's been dominant by just being the largest regional mall owner in the country. And they have been that for uh, many, many years. Tubman's niche was a little bit different, which is they specialized in particularly high-end regional malls. And for many years, they had the industry-leading sales per square foot of any portfolio in the country. So they were, and, and a lot of their centers were more high-end. They brand, So they didn't have as large a portfolio, but their portfolio was just uh, really high-performing and mm. really, really a prestigious top top level centers and they took that model to some levels of success internationally as well they opened some malls in asia um they had a subsidiary company over there for a while so these are two just very very successful companies gotcha then what though happened was so a uh, alfred talman also at one point was the owner of sotheby's and in the late 90s early 2000s I don't know if you remember this, but there was a bit of a, um, a scandal with, with Sotheby's where they were caught doing some um, accused of doing price fixing and and inflate and, and kind of like messing around with the auctions a little bit. And eventually they, mm. you know, pled guilty, had to do do a settlement and and Tobin even went to jail for um, I, I think it was less than a year, but it was pretty serious, wow. you know, so he, he got caught up in this, admitted that he messed up, accepted his jail term and went and did that. While that was happening, at this point, he was no longer the CEO of Tom and Centers, but he was still the chairman of the company. And they said, so before his sons were running, still running the company, still family owned, still big part of uh, his legacy. Um, during this period, when the period when he is in in prison, Simon launched launched a hostile takeover bid. Um, oh, for for Tottenham Centers. Uh, And this like went on for months and months. They put in an initial bid. Tottenham said no. Uh, They raised it. They recruited actually another company to kind of help them um, do a higher bid. They got into all sorts of crazy legal battles, legislative battles. Uh, Both sides just kind of really like, you know, Tobin really resisting this effort, Simon fighting pretty hard, trying to take them over, left both sides like with um, eventually Tobin was able to obviously fight off this this effort, not with not before both companies spent, a, you know, a bunch of legal fees and, and took some real shots at each other. So it is then interesting that after all of that happens, um, here we are 20 years later. And now the two sides come together and cut a deal. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, a couple things. Number one, way to go, attorneys. You made a ton of money for nothing. <laughs> Number two, it sounds to me like, you know, especially with the ages, you've got two warring kingdoms here, you know, old kings that have been sitting on these thrones, you know, lobbing shots at each other across the moats and things. <laughs> One of them tries to take over the other person's castle. And, and now they're having their son and daughter marry. And uh, so they're merging families. Yeah. <laughs> it's drama. It's a yeah. lot of drama, man. A lot of drama. But I guess, you know, I, I mean, from what I understand, you know, in the years since David Simon and Robert Taubman, who are, you know, now the respective um, CEOs have kind of, you know, smoothed things out. You know, they're, they're part of the, tr- the same industry association or the same industry conferences. I think they've had a chance to, it sounds like they've had a chance to like really sit down and like go, you know, go through whatever they needed to go through from, from that period, but also start to look at, um, what makes sense going forward. Mm-hmm. 
And it seems that part of this today is what it's being driven by is that, you know, Tobin's in a position where, um, you know, they haven't grown their portfolio very much. We've talked uh, a lot about obviously the struggles with malls in general, just given what's going on with retail. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, and, and they were also facing a bit of a thing where there's now an activist investor who's part of their board, who I think has been pushing, you know, they were going to have an upcoming um, elections for their corporate board within a few months and all nine seats were up. There was potential that they could lose controlling interest of the board. And then therefore, you know, the family would lose maybe some, some of their opportunity to decide what the ultimate fate was. So I think they came up. So it seems like what part of what's happened here is like to head that off, to head off an uncertain situation and maybe, being forced to sell under different circumstances that they, they cut, they found a deal now that they think works, puts them underneath the Simon umbrella, keeps the Tobin family in charge of this portfolio. Just part, you know, now Simon will own 80% of, uh, have an 80% interest in the, in their uh, entity and the family will uh, retain the, the, the other 20%. Meanwhile, shareholders, uh, current Tobin shareholders are getting a payout. That was of um, a pretty, substantial premium of where um Tobin's shares were were trading the day before the deal was announced gotcha all right so um and i think you know also from 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 Tobin's per- perspective what it brings is you know simon has just got a bigger platform they are the dominant player so it potentially just like takes some of the some there's ways for them to I think maybe leverage their portfolio in a new way, given like they'll have now uh, the backing of like the premier owner in the industry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess the you know now the the families will be one new family. Oh, and I'm sure it'll they'll have Thanksgiving together and you know Christmases or Hanukkahs or whatever's going on over there. I'm, I'm sure it's just peace, love, and harmony. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I'm really curious about that, how the it's going to affect the quote unquote home office of both, yeah. both groups. Right. I mean, what, what is the, uh, has there been any word on what that looks like? I don't think not too much detail yet. I mean, I mean the, the deal has to go through the, ne- the necessary approvals first. Uh, I think both, both boards of both boards for both companies have signed off on the deal, but it's got to go through, um, you know, SEC mm-hmm. and other shareholder approval and all that kind of stuff, which should take it, which takes a few months, yeah. I think, before they start getting into some of the brass tacks. Um, I mean, Tommen is historically based in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, like I said, and and Simon is um, in Indianapolis. It sounds like, at least, my understanding is that you know the Tommen, the, the executive team for for Tommen is, is staying on, like they're not they're not um, cashing out, and it's not. Um, that the malls are just going to be fully integrated into Simon's portfolio. The Taubman kind of name is going to continue to live on as just sort of a um, an entity that's owned by Simon. And, and should be pointing out that that Simon's kind of done, done this thing before, where they've um, bought company bought other companies and then continued to operate the properties, um, at least you know some or all under the old company name, um, mm-hmm. and partly as a way of distinguishing those properties. Uh, in some cases, like they they had bought some outlet centers, they had also bought these um, the mills properties, which were very unique properties. Um, I don't know how many of them are still like functioning in that in that same way, but they you know for years they you know it was like they 
had these subsidiaries that were that continued to kind of be a little bit different from what was in the core parties. They also bought another one of the other um, old industry families was the Glimshire family, and Simon had bought Glimshire Property Trust. I don't know sometime in the last decade as well. So they do have a. Um, and of course, the the original original thing was when Simon and DeBartolo Company merged, which was like I'm forgetting the year on that. But you know, Eddie De, the DeBartolo family that owns the 49ers, mm. um, you know, they used to be a major mall owner and rivaling Simon in scale and and um, size. And at one point, um, you know, those two companies merged. Yeah. So Simon's got a very long history of, um, you know, they've developed and built their own properties, but they've also grown, done a lot of their growing by buying up other other companies and 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 a handful of these other companies, which were part of that same like original class of like these old, you know, like I was saying, like these these Midwest guys in the fifties and sixties that were kind of, you know, birthing this industry. Yeah, I I find this fascinating mainly because of our previous conversations on previous podcasts, David. Honestly, you know, we talk about online shopping and and all the different things that outlet centers are doing, and right. uh, you know, like the grocery shopping uh, center. You know, a lot of those stores that are around a grocery store do well because, well, everybody goes to the grocery store. But a mall is something different, and mm-hmm. we've spoken about malls before. So I'm I'm really interested to see what happens here. Uh, Simon obviously knows something, uh, you know, they know how to run a business, which is good, but with this, you know, the, the fact that I think Amazon starts dropping things on your doorstep using drones and things, I don't know, I don't know how long it's going to be before a lot of these malls are, are shutting doors unless they can all switch to that whole rent some yoga pants model that we were talking about in another podcast <laughs> as well. I, yeah, I don't know. That's just weird. Yeah, well, and I mean, to Simon's credit, they've also been extremely aggressive and creative in trying to keep their property successful. In some, they, in some cases, they've bought uh, or invested in retail struggling retailers to keep them alive. So, mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, they they basically, along with a couple other entities, bought Aeropost out when they were about to shut down, huh. um, infused them with capital. Uh, and kept them going and like they're actually healthier you know like there was going to be like 500 store closings that didn't happen because of because simon got involved um and i think arrow postiles in a a much better place today and now they're doing the same thing trying to do the same thing with forever 21 who was going to be who was um about to shut down all their stores and instead simon is part of the, the part of the group that's coming in and trying to keep them going um they've also have i mean a, a number of of things they've done on, on the mall level for programs and, and to facilitate, like um, to provide some services to, to the tenants to help them compete with online sales or to allow people to do, um, you know, order online and pick up at the mall. Like they're very aggressive and, and, and it's partly because they are so well capitalized. I think I've seen them just describe themselves as being, you know, they're not just a developer anymore, but you know, they, they consider themselves part of the retail business and, and part of trying to help keep their tenants successful in, in this climate that you're talking about. Yeah. So I think that's, that's part of, I think also like what the potential benefit for Talman is, because I don't think that they have um, developed these kind of services or capabilities to the, to, to the level that Simon has. And now they can kind of um, capitalize on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's that's good news for all the retail shops out there that are, you know, still hoping that malls are going to be attractive in the next five to 10 years. So that's good. Yeah. And, you know, and it's sort of one other tangent that, that what you said um, sparked to me is that like, you know, I always found um, Alfred Tom such an interesting figure, um, you know, partly because of just the history he had, but he also, he, he wrote a memoir that came out um, about, 12, 13 years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. It's called Threshold Resistance. And he was one of the guys that kind of came up with the idea. Like what you're talking about, like the, the concept of taking a grocery store, strip center, and and thinking about how you do the other inline tenants. He was the guy that helped do that for regional malls and really thought about during the creation of these centers and figuring out how to do it like how many anchor stores you should have and how far apart they should be and what stores made the most sense to put next mm. to them. And he was just very involved with the initial success of programming regional malls. Obviously it's, you know, a different proposition today, but he, you know, he was, that's, that's part of what he was. He, he had a really great mind for retail. This whole, that whole concept of threshold resistance, which he talked about was this idea that behaviorally, when people are shopping or they're walking down the street and they see a store window, what actually makes them go inside the store? So, Mm -hmm. so, so there's people having to have a hesitation when they're walking past the store, you know, they may see something and it's like their initial reaction is probably to not go in. So how do you break that resistance to get them to cross the threshold? And his, everything he did, a lot of what he did was about, trying to get people to, 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 to do that. Um, so he had all sorts of interesting um, things he wrote about in, in, in the book and, and ways that he uh, encouraged retailers to change what they did in their store windows. And there also used to be like, if you, you know, go down like any older downtown streets there, the, there is that old store design. I don't know if you could picture this where like, rather than having a door that's just right on the sidewalk, it's set back and mm-hmm. there you'll have like two long window cases yeah. with lots of stuff in it. That whole walk, you know, that like 10 to 15 foot walk to get people through the door actually ends up being that that was a pretty big barrier, like getting people to actually walk through that. People thought by doing that, they would create all this extra display space to put all their merchandise. And then with that, so it would be a great store design to do this what he found was that I was actually a terrible thing to do and wasted your real estate and actually getting people to walk that extra 15 feet to the door was a barrier. So like, you know, he, that's why you don't see that anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, do like just, you know, storefronts on the street or like in the mall. So again, breaking, you know, this concept of threshold resistance. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. You want to be able to have somebody open the door and then be enveloped by the store instead of having to walk that 10 to 15 feet, looking at all these things, feeling like I'm in this tunnel <laughs> to, yeah. to get in there. Yeah. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. And we, we talked to some, some analysts and other industry figures and everybody seems to think that this is going to be a good deal. But like I said, you know, part of, for me, it's, just uh, in, a, in addition to just the narrative of what they do going forward and how this may strengthen, you know, how these two companies complement each other. There's just like a, you know, a fascinating amount of history tied up in these companies and seeing them end up together is just, uh, I find it very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you have an opportunity to do an interview as well? We were talking a little bit before the podcast about that. 
Yeah, I did. I mean, b- back when he, um, when when Mr. Taubman had uh, wrote the memoir, I I did interview him, about, and I and I reviewed the book actually as well. Like, oh, really? A little deeper in our archives, but I did an interview with him, and I reviewed the book back for when I was. Um, we used to have a, a, a different a sister publication about re- retail real estate, which is that's where I was based at that time. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing we did, he actually um, also, he passed away a few years ago when he was about 95, but yeah, it was, it was, I think it was some years before that when he was still, you know, he was just this very interesting guy. That's cool. <laughs> he had this uh, little office in New York city. He ran a little holding company out of it. You know, like I said, he was kind of the, still the, the chairman of the board of the, of, of Talman centers, but it was really being run by, by his, uh, two sons at that point and 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 he was just doing this other sort of investments and he was out of Sotheby's at this point but that was my chance to kind of um to talk to him um and and find you know like just and have him explain some of this stuff to me directly yeah that, I mean that's really cool that you're kind of coming full circle now with this and yeah. and this story and being able to lead the way with this and and uh kind of keep an eye on the company and see how it's developed you know, over the 70 years or so it's been developing, but also since you had an opportunity to meet him in person and, and talk to him and interview him. That's great. Yeah. All right. Anything else we need to take away from the story? No, I think, I think that covers it. All right. Well, good deal. I, I don't know how many other mall families are out there. So I'm curious if oh, Simon has other, there, you know, there's still a few. Um, wonder actually yeah you know maybe not as many left like i was thinking because like there was also the bucksbaums who founded general growth properties but they're now out of the business uh Mm. more or less uh at least well their their company general growth properties has been um integrated into another company there was uh james rouse who was one another one of these leading early figures and and their company got bought years ago so a lot there's a lot of them are a lot of the families are now, or these traditional family companies, yeah, have have been snapped up. There's, there's probably a few others that I'm forgetting, but yeah. Well, it's um, kind of like the uh, you know the game Monopoly. They're they're uh, <laughs> they're getting their hands on all of it. Park Place yeah. is next, baby. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Boardwalk, Park Place, <laughs> somewhere in there. All right, David. Well, I, I thank you for your time. I think this is a great podcast. I learned a ton, and uh, I loved it. So, if somebody wants to read the entire article, where do they get it? It's uh, nreionline.com. We have an analysis piece about this deal, and I put in, and there are some some links in there to these older pieces that we, from you know from um, 15 years ago about that what, the coverage of the we had at the time of the hostile takeover efforts and my interview um, with Mr. Taubman. Great. All right. I'll look forward to it. Thanks again, David. And thank you all for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.